Welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. I'm glad that you've taken time out of your day today to download our podcast and listen to it. And today we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan. And if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up and follow along. We will be in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 for the most part. If you want to mark your Bibles, uh, Romans chapter 3 verse 20. That would be fine. We'll be there in a few minutes as well. Before we begin... Uh, podcast on the Good Samaritan, I'd like to remind everybody to please go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, and there you can find more about us, and you can find our links to social media, prayer request page, uh, how to support us, and just more about us as our statement of faith is also posted there. I'd like to read though from Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 as we begin, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan, more than likely, has to be one of the most well-known parables of Jesus. They are care homes, nursing homes, named after this parable. The name has become an icon for unusual kindness and extraordinary care for the hurting and the suffering. We also have uh, Good Samaritan laws in many places in the United States that protect a person from liability of those who choose to aid others who are injured or ill. While this parable is popular, it's not always correctly understood. A little boy who came home from Sunday school after learning about the Good Samaritan. And he tells his mother the story in great detail. He had the facts and all the people and all the right characters and their roles. And the mother then asked, What's the purpose of this parable? And the young boy replied, It means we're all in trouble and others should come to help us. Well, not exactly. It is common for all of us, including myself, to just to skim over a story, especially when we think that we're really familiar with it. And so in today's podcast, I'm, I'm going to take a different angle, and my hope is that we will all understand the parable's purpose in a fresh, in a moving manner. So again, if you have your Bibles, uh, to open them up with me to Luke chapter 10. There are two basic structural divisions, each of which is promoted by a question. Again, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. A lower stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? Verse 27, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. As Jesus often did, he, he turned the question back on the person who asked the question. Notice Jesus he uses the authority of the Bible or the Scripture 
which is something that we should do as well. This man, he's answered correctly by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And Jesus says, uh, you're right in your answer, but there is more. Jesus adds, do this and you will live. Is Jesus promoting salvation by works? That's the question that most people will ask. And the answer is, no, not at all. He, Jesus is saying, if you want to use the law as a leverage to get into heaven, then you better follow everything that is in it by always loving God every second, every hour, every day, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. From the moment you're born to the moment you die. This phrase, do this, means to keep on doing it forever. The word love is in the present tense here, meaning constantly and continuously. This also includes loving your neighbor perfectly all the time, no matter how nice or friendly your neighbor may or not be. This is the standard that God sets. If you want to get uh, into heaven, then you have to be perfect. And really, at the end of the day, this is legalism and, and is condemned by the very law in which he quotes. One slip up and you're in violation of the law. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. The purpose of the law really was to show that you and I cannot keep it. Romans 3.20 says, Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes knowledge of sin. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes, For as many as are the works of the law under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, perform them. And then James the, uh, chapter 2 verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. So the second thing we want to talk about really is, uh, back to our parable, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? The man uh, should have said something like this. I had Admit my inability. I cannot keep the law perfect. So what should I do now, Jesus? So back again to Luke 10, verse 29, picking up our, our parable. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? The lawyer, now he's looking for a loophole in the law. I know that's surprising to a lot of listeners. But, but when he asked the second question, the man is now seeking a way to defend himself and deflect his responsibility by asking for the definition of the word neighbor. He's hoping to be acquitted, uh, found not guilty on a technicality in the law. Maybe a, a little background here might be helpful for all of us. There was a, 
raging debate back about this time who my neighbor really was. And they wanted to know who was in and who was out. The Jews typically interpret the word neighbor as one who is near or a fellow Jew. The Pharisees tend uh, to, to reject ordinary people. Uh, this man wants Jesus to draw a circle, but it is a lot bigger uh, thing than he bargained for. You see, the lawyer wanted a legal limit by making the law require less than it really does. People do this all the time, and some rely on being a, a good person in order to get to heaven. Others know that they, they're not all that good, so they try to reduce God's entrance requirements by what is described. Uh, anyone here today? I don't know. But do you think that you're good enough to just get in? Just, all you got to do is get in just inside the doorway, right? Or, or do you think that you can justify yourself by lowering God's standards? Jesus does not really directly answer the question, but instead he simply tells a story or a parable. And on the surface, this popular parable appears to be a simple story about being kind. It is actually much deeper than that. This story or this parable is designed to show each and every one of us how sinful and selfish we really are. So here's the story. In an effort to keep us from just skimming over the story, because it is so familiar, we're going to view the events through the swollen eyes of the wounded man. So bear with me. I had just left Jerusalem, and was on my way home to Jericho, which is about 17 miles away. I treasured my time of worship in the temple, but was eager now to see my family. The road I took was treacherous and dangerous, dropping some 4,000 feet from beginning to end. There were huge boulders and caves where robbers could hide. It was like walking through an alley in the worst part of your city. I knew I, I should not be there out there by myself and be alone, but what else was I to do? I had to go home. As I rounded this sharp bend in the road of a man, jumped off this rock, and he jumped on my back. Another man, he, he kicked me in my knees, and a third man grabbed my head and started slamming it into the rocks. I tried to scream, but nothing came out. They took all my money, and then I felt them rip the clothes off of my back, leaving me there naked. As I, as I got up, leaving this big guy, he, he kicked me again in the face, and another one slugged me in the stomach, and I started vomiting. I really don't know from that point on how long I really laid there, because I slipped in and out of consciousness. I then heard some noise that I, I thought the robbers were coming back to finish me off. They're going to kill me, is what went through my mind. You see, I had a very difficult time focusing. I could make out a priest coming my way, and I thought, wow, surely this man of God 
He will help me, because he just came from the temple, too. I saw him glance at me, and then he looked away as he moved on the opposite side of the path, where he picked up his pace and vanished around the corner. A few minutes later, a Levi came upon me. He slowed down, and he gazed at me, and I was relieved because surely this religious man would help me. He seemed grossed out by my wounds. He looked kind of sickly as he looked at me, and I quickly, he moved on to the other side of the road, and as soon as he appeared, he was gone. And then I thought I was a goner too. But now the sun was starting uh, to go down, and I could not get help because I really didn't believe anybody would be out after dark. I was just going to shut my eyes and, and drift off and sleep and hope that I would waken in the morning when I saw a blurry image of a man on a donkey. I could tell by the way he was dressed in his features that he was a Samaritan, my enemy. Our animosity goes back for many generations to when his ancestors intermarried with pagans. My forefathers burned the temple of the Samaritans to the ground and they responded by sneaking into our temple in Jerusalem and defiling it. The very reason uh, this road to Jericho was so long is because us Jews used it as a detour so that we would not travel through the land of the Samaritans. This was the Samaritans' opportunity to spit on me or to finish me off by killing me. I could not believe what happened next. I saw compassion in his eyes. He jumped off his donkey and came right over to me to see if I was still alive and if he could help me. He then he took his own precious wine, which served for me as a medicine as he poured it on my wounds. Then he showered my sores with expensive soothing oil. He then ripped some of his own clothes off and used the strips and his bandages. When the bleeding stopped, he, he lifted me up and, and put me on his donkey as he walked next to me for miles until we came to an inn. He stayed up all night taking care of my needs, bringing me water and trying to get me to eat something. But the next day, he took out two silver coins. That would be about two days' wages for most people in my day and time. And he gave them to the innkeeper and urged him to look after me until he could return. He even told the motel manager to put any extra charges on his credit, and he would settle up when he came back. Two points of this parable. I see at least two main points. The first has an application to those of us who are already born again. And the second application uh, which gets to the main purpose of this parable is yet for those to be converted by the Holy Spirit. So back to the parable in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Verse 37. And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, Go 
and do the same. Well, first point here for believers. The question is not, who is my neighbor? But rather, am I being neighborly to everyone, even my enemies? The law expert put the emphasis on whether a person was worthy of love. And Jesus put the emphasis on the one who does the loving. The lawyer wanted to a definition and a limitation to ask. In other words, uh, who is my neighbor? Is it to look for a loophole by focusing on what claim others may have from time to time and in their energy and their resources? The law expert, he, he answered correctly. Notice that he did not even say the word Samaritan. And he is told to go and do as the Samaritan did. Not just once, but as a lifestyle and a lifetime of a loving servant of Christ. We must be careful about allowing religion to an excuse for excluding those who we do not like. The interesting thing is the priests were to serve as public health officials as part of what the Levites did and they were to distribute funds to the poor and the needy. Listen here, folks. The religious people in the story, they gave the right answers, but they did not apply what they knew. They came from uh, God's presence. They were in worship. But somehow, God's presence never really penetrated the heart. You know, we can sing uh, praises to the Lord. And great is our God in, in worship and church and, and yet walk right by injured people who are made also in the image of God. Notice also that the priest just happened to be going down the road when he came across a need. And again, I've said this before in other podcasts, I do not believe things happen by chance. God is in complete control of our days and our activities and provides us with opportunities for us to meet needs. We need to make sure we are ready. You know, I'm saddened when I think of how many open doors I must pass up every day that I never saw. Well, will you pass by when God purposely brings people across in your path? You know, every part of the Samaritan gets involved. His eyes, his heart, his feet, his hands, his thoughts, time, his possessions, speech, and money. Let's go back to the lawyer's question. Who is my neighbor? In light of this story, we can answer the question this way. My neighbor is anyone who is in need, whose path I cross, which I need to be able to help him, that person, find that need and, and resolve it. Who is my neighbor? Uh, who is my brother? Well, my brother is anyone who is in danger, anyone who is in need, anyone in pain, and anyone in trouble. Look, your sister's sick. Uh, your brother is dying, your brother just lost his job, uh, your sister's homeless, 
your brother's lost, uh, your sister's discouraged, uh, your brother, he lies, and he's beaten by uh, some unknown person left on the roadside. Don't walk by the other side of the road. There are three groups presented in this parable. Which one represents you and me? The first one is the robbers. What's your what's yours is mine, and if I want it, I'm going to take it from you. The second is the religious. What's mine is mine, and if you need it, you can't have it. And then the third a group represented is the redeemed. What's mine is yours, and if you need it, I will give it to you. Somewhere along this week, all of us uh, will walk this uh, path, uh, Jericho Road. And sooner or later, we are bound to meet someone who is in need. Don't ask. Who is that man, and how did he get there? Don't ask, is he a friend or a foe? Don't ask, do I need to really know this person before I help? Don't ask, what did he do to deserve this? Don't ask, is he of my religion? Or is he of my skin color? Is he of my family, my tribe, my background, my language, and my people? Is that person in need and you can help? He or she is your neighbor. The second part of this is, is the unbelievers. Unbelievers on this side of the cross. The question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It is easily the most important question anyone can ask oneself. And part of this, as an event is recorded, is to convince those who think they are good enough to realize that there is no way to inherit eternal life by doing good works and to justify yourself. Might as well forget all of us thinking that we can trick Jesus and try to justify ourselves before God because it's not going to work. People need to hear the gospel, and we people need to believe the gospel. We need to believe that Jesus is, is God, and he did suffer, uh, and he died, and was buried, and he rose again. We need to understand and really believe that it is by his blood that we are saved from our sins, that our souls are cleansed, and those sins are covered. It is then that we must live a life in submission to his word and being the Good Samaritan. Certainly hope that this podcast has encouraged you to rethink your life, uh, to help you uh, propel further, closer to God and to Christ. I know this is uh, perhaps a different way of looking at the, the story of the Good Samaritan. I hope it's been encouraging to you and giving you some refocus that you will made some good notes. I know I get emails from a few people who uh, say they make notes and they follow along in their Bible and they rehash the podcast throughout the week and that they are encouraged. I, I am so thankful. I thank God that we're able to do this. And if you would like to know more about us, 
I would encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, and there you can contact us with your Bible questions or your prayer request. We're starting up a, a prayer request page. In fact, it's already up and going. And we've had a couple people email and request that their uh, prayer requests be put upon that page. Uh, if you don't want your name posted or where you're from, that's fine. Uh, just let us know that in advance and we will honor that. If you have a question about the scriptures or the Bible, uh, we will do our best to answer them on the podcast. Please be sure to like us and follow us. We are encouraged by all the, the likes and uh, the followers. And this way also you get an alert on your favorite app that we have released our weekly podcast. Please tell others about us, and we encourage you to to have a faithful, prayerful life and find a congregation that is teaching the complete Word of God and not just a few verses or a few chapters that's their favorite subject. Hopefully and prayerfully, we pray for our listeners that they will be encouraged and edified. We certainly hope that you will pray for us, that we can continue to put the podcast each and every week on the air. Thank you again, and may God bless you, and may He have the glory. Mm -hmm.